This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that doesn't have a 20% tariff on imports from Mexico, but nonetheless partial to a good tequila. I'm Andrew Page, and with me, as always, is Mr. Scott Phillips. Good Andrew, and bottoms up fools. Today on the podcast, the Dow Jones hits 20,000. Cue the marching bands and fireworks. <laughs> Donald Trump is at it again, cancelling the TPP and hitting Mexico where it hurts. <clears throat> We also have a look at BHP. It's going absolutely gangbusters in WA. So why is the WA economy in such a funk? I'm out of sound effects. <laughs> they weren't that great anyway, let's face it. <laughs> the latest in the Bellamy saga is how we're going to wrap this up. It's being taken to court and the bill is being paid by someone else. Who and why? But first, Scott. Sir. The Dow Jones Industrial Index. Yeah, Dow Jones Industrial Average. Yes, it's, proper I, name. I, it's not I quite stand, index. I stand corrected. Um, one What's of the, important? I'll tell you why. In a one second. of the world's oldest benchmarks. It's hit twenty thousand. How exciting is that, mate? I couldn't be more excited. If um... no, I could. You I could, you could I be, could be a lot more excited. More excited. Yeah, excited. Yeah, no, much more excited. Tell yeah. us, tell our listeners uh, what the Dow is. Oh dear, look, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It's an important distinction. I'm not just being a pain in the ass. I tend to be pedantic, as you well know, Andrew. I but know this very time, well. this time, it's actually <laughs> for a good reason. The Dow Jones is the longest serving measure of the U.S. stock market. It's been around for, I think, over a century, if not almost a century. Okay. Started by Dow Jones himself. This whole thing was was put together so that somebody somewhere could track the market. And in fact, when it was first done, this was the first time anyone could really say, how's the market going and have a single answer. Yeah. It kind of, it, it's a bizarre to think that it's, um, before that point, there was a stock market, but no one kind of totaled everything up and said, this is what's happening in stocks. It yes. was just individual companies for themselves. Now, I'm not, I'm not against that, frankly. Right, someone, I don't think that's a pretty decent idea. Some would say that's a smart thing to do. But what you don't get a sense of, as we would say regularly, mm. is the long-term returns of stocks. And we look at those numbers and we would say to our members and other people, our listeners, this is what's happening on the market. Yep. The market gains about 10% a year. Yep. How do we know that? Because we look at these sorts of numbers, but we don't look at the Dow. Right. Now, first things first, 20,000. Song and dance, marching Hurrah, bands. That's a big number. Look, oh, just some yeah. context. Thirty years ago, this this Dow Jones Industrial Average yes. was at about two thousand. In two thousand and twelve, it was thirteen thousand. Wow, you we're know doing what? really well then. Twenty thousand is a really really important marker because once you go from nineteen thousand one hundred ninety nine to twenty thousand, then then um, then um, <laughs> then we've got, um, we got a nice round number. Yeah. So why why else, is right? it that it's such a big deal? The oh, front of the Wall, Wall Street numbers. Journal had this page on it. You know, Dow to hit 20,000, a big red or a big uh, oh. red no or a big green yes when it happens. And it's happened. This is the Wall happened. Street Journal. This is, the, this is supposed to be the financial paper of record, right? right. And on their page, their page was titled, Will, has the Dow hit 20,000 yet? Yeah. And it said no. And then when it got there, it said yes. And that was the whole point. These guys were making a whole page, directing people to their site. Oh, okay, so, so let me look so here's the thing, right? Okay. 1999 happened. Yep. We had a New Year's Eve party. Yep. 2000 happened. We had the mother of all New Year's Eve parties. Right. Nothing changes except the bloody number at the front. Right, right. And that's the point, right? So down 19,999, yep. down 20,000, 0.1% was the change, right? That's the equivalent of selling an $850,000 unit for $849,911. Right. 
Right. Like it, it's 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 infinitesimally small. It's completely completely irrelevant. Nevertheless, we like to sort of celebrate milestones, oh, and round yeah, numbers are as That's good as any. So you know, we exactly we, you, as good, you'll, you'll as, good a, as any, but not better. You That's know, your twenty first birthday is probably a little bit more special. <laughs> you know, than normal forty. You know, dude, uh, you're coming up on seventy, are you, or something? Twenty one's like not a round number, dude. Stick with me. <laughs> you know, Stick with me. Let's try. Let's try work on this one. So okay, but look, right. so we, we've sort of mentioned these previous marks, and it's gotten to twenty thousand. Does that at least show us? The, the the value of the market over time. And, and generally speaking, this has been a pretty good average performance. Oh, man. The Dow Jones... In, so, round numbers in indices are, are always some in the first place, right? I, I will agree. But the you. Dow is the mother of all stuff-ups when it comes to why would you bother? Let's, this was, let's list through the, the, the problems. This was started in the 19-somethings, a long, long time before computers, right? So, you couldn't do all these complex maths and add up all these numbers and try and keep it regular. So, okay. what they did... And again, look, this is this makes perfect sense pre-computers, pre-good calculators. Sure. When you spend a, you know, a month's wages buying a, buying a desk calculator, which my mother did for my father, right. believe it or not, back in the day. Yep. I'm not that old, but but stick with me. Um, <laughs> you were using an abacus, weren't you, at school? Or? <laughs> but I, I dreamed of abacuses. Right. <laughs> I used to have to count on my fingers and toes, mate. And then I only got to about 15 and had to give up. Look, so here's the, here's the thing. This was, the, this was a story of, of, you know... So when think about our ASX 200, right? It yep. adds up all the value of all the companies on the on the exchange, the top 200 of them. Yep. It says, let's add up the value of each of those. So right. BHP is worth so many billion dollars. Woolies is so many billion dollars. Telstra, add them all together. Yep. That's the value of the market. If you add up all of our wealth invested in stocks, yep. that's the total number. That, what would be all worth if we had to sell it all tomorrow? Right. The Dow actually doesn't even look at the market cap. So the value of the company it just averages the prices. The share price. The share price. So if I'm, I'm, I'm a company that's worth $100 yeah. trillion dollars yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm one that's worth $1,000, yep. as long as my share price, which just you know works out how many pieces of the, how many slices of pie you're, you're cutting you got up, it. has the same weight. <laughs> yeah. So if you're a $1,000 company with a $100 share price yeah. and you're a trillion dollar company with a $100 share price, if one goes up by a buck, one goes down by a buck, the Dow Jones says nothing changed. The market was dead flat, except that- if you'd added 1% of a trillion dollars and taken yeah. off 1% of a thousand dollars, clearly there was massive, massive billions of dollars of value created. Yeah. But the Dow Jones industrial average it. would say the market didn't change today. It is completely bananas. The other thing is, well, at least with the uh, the ASX 200 or the All Lords, which is the other popular one here in Oz, there's uh, a lot of companies in that. The Dow Jones has 30 companies. Yeah. And not even the 30 biggest companies, just the yeah. 30 companies that a board of people reckons roughly approximates the US economy. Right. For the longest time, it actually had zero tech companies in it, right? This yeah. is, and up until five, 10 years ago, and they had a Microsoft and that was it. And now they've got IBM and that's it. I think they, I'm not sure if they've got, they may very well have neither Facebook, Amazon or Google. If they do, they've only got one of those, which is yeah. just bizarre when you think about how important those are, not only to our lives, but to our markets. Yeah. Just completely bananas. Oh man. All right. So, you know what I'm going to do before we move on? I'm going to call Dow 50,000. Hey! And I reckon we'll get there in the next 10 years or so. I'm going to go one, but I'm going to say Dow 100,000. 100,000. When are we going to Dow do that? Dow million. I, who cares? <laughs> well, the thing is, it's this, it's this number problem again. That's only about 10% per year will get us to 50,000 in another 10 years' time. And you know what? It'll be just as irrelevant. And, people, and people will celebrate like there's no tomorrow when it finally gets there. All right. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple m well let's talk about something a bit more oh, uh interesting if that's the right word controversial Ooh, maybe yes. uh the Painful. donald the donald and it's <laughs> like donald. We, we really aren't trying that, that, to talk about President this guy the these so days, I should, you. You know, respect where President it's the donald. due that's right. yes. um you know we try not to talk about him all the time but he just keeps being so damn newsworthy <laughs> and so uh what he's done recently he's oh. withdrawn 
uh, from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, Indeed. the TPP. Uh, he's going to throw a 20% tariff on everything from Mexico. Um, and, that's just, and that's just this week. That's just this week. Now, why is that? Why do we care about that down here? Oh, mate. Look, we don't, we don't get impacted. Well, we do get impacted by the TPP. So the TPP, people will have read about in the news or maybe just avoided when they saw the acronym, which I wouldn't blame them for. The TPP was supposed to be the latest and greatest free trade agreement between a whole lot of countries around basically the Pacific. So hence Trans-Pacific. Australia, the US, some of the Asian countries. Yep. It specifically inclu- excluded China, by yep. the way, which was part of the US's aim was to kind of build a trade block that excluded China. Yep. Donald Trump's walked into office and said, yep, I'm getting rid of that thing. Now, it hadn't entered into effect yet. A lot of countries, the Japanese had passed it, we'd passed it here in Australia. It was ready to go. Yep. All there was some signatures on paper. Donald Trump walks into office and says, yeah, that whole thing you've negotiated for years, it's gone. I'm shredding the paperwork. We're done. Unbelievable. Now, so, this is probably the only time you're ever going to see Donald Trump and the Australian Greens on the same policy platform. <laughs> if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will, right? <laughs> Donald Trump. So, so think about Donald yeah, Trump. we're through the looking glass here. Think yeah. about the Greens, right? Just yeah. think about Bob Brown. Yeah. Imagine the two of them shaking hands and going, nice work, dude. We totally this is agree. Fantastic. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't so it? So it probably tells you something. Either it's fantastic or it's terrible because yeah. both when they're both on the same page, you know something's going on. Yeah. In this case, it really does shake up or, or avoid shaking up maybe what was going to be a, a freer trade deal. Free trade, despite its lumps and bumps, does help. And so when that sort of thing gets undone, maybe it gives us a chance to negotiate some stuff. Clearly, the Greens didn't like part of it. Yep. Labor didn't like part of it. There, there's, there's reasons to hate parts of all free trade deals because they are, by definition, compromises, yep. which is exactly why Donald Trump hates it, of course, because he doesn't believe in win-win. He believes in win-lose. Yep. If he's not winning, we're losing. Or he's not winning, we're winning, or vice versa. Yep. Yep. Um, he's not going to give up anything. He wants to use the bully boy tactics, and that's why he's ripped it up. He doesn't reckon the US is getting a good enough deal, so he's yep. saying... Bye, guys. We're going back to the back. To so the that's table. the argument, right? So let's whack a twenty percent tariff on everything from well, Mexico. This is the, <laughs> We're going to take the <laughs> jobs. The other part jobs back. There'll Sorry. be there'll be people here. There are more <laughs> factories in the US. People oh, will have more God. jobs, and, and surely that is a good thing. So if you've missed the if you've missed the news today, Donald Trump through the election campaign has threatened to get Mexico to pay for this wall that he wants to build, right? And the Mexican government said, go and get staffed, as they should. So Trump's gone. Okay, fine. I will put a tariff on twenty percent of everything coming out of Mexico. Yeah, and I'll use that to pay for the wall. Yeah. So guess who's paying for the wall? American, American consumers. consumers when, you, when, the, when, when, the, when the average American Rust Belt voter goes to Walmart yeah. and says, I voted for Donald Trump and I shop at Walmart, they're going to pay 20% more for their cars, their electronics, their groceries, everything that comes out of Mexico. Yeah. Donald Trump's voters, he's, the people who put him into power, who are going to shop and buy Mexican products across the board, are going to pay for the wall he wanted to keep the Mexicans out. This is how far through the looking glass uh, we've come. It, it is really crazy. So it is something that does benefit absolutely. We mentioned this, I think, last week. There's small interest groups. There will be, yeah. absolutely be some people who are better off. But as a whole, the country is going to be so much worse. Totally. The poor old Mexicans are really going to suffer as a result of it. But one of the real risks here is that it sort of sparks off you know, a bit of a trade war and we all start putting barriers up. And yeah. it's really not going to make any of us better off. That, that's a, this, is, this is the problem. Look, free trade has clearly benefited the vast majority of people for the longest time in most countries around the world. It allows for cheaper goods. So we sell our wheat to more countries because it's cheaper than them making, doing it themselves. We're good at making wheat. We buy their cars because yep. we suck at making cars. Yep. They make We're a lot of cars. Yep. We are better off because we get cheaper cars and more wheat exports. Yep. So we win-win. Yep. They get cheaper wheat and more car exports. Yep. They win. Um, everyone gets a higher standard of living as a result. Yep. This trade war, if it goes on, threatens to raise tariffs across the board, raise trade barriers across the board, mm. and make everything more expensive. So we'll feel better because there's more made in Australia. We're all going to be paying 10 15% more for everything and buying less as a result. So those Australian jobs we're adding are going to become very expensive just as they are in the US. And the, 
Well, the thing that's interesting about this too is that we're not sort of prosecuting a particular ideology here. This is something that you could survey virtually oh, yeah, every yeah. economist in yeah. the world. You know, and for a long time, it's not a new theory or a, a new way of thinking <laughs> right. here. This has just been so demonstrably yes. proven as something for the greater good. It, it really boggles the mind. The 30 years of Australian prosperity we've enjoyed, and even including the GFC overseas, we had one, but we didn't really have a recession. Yeah. The, the 30 plus years of prosperity the world has enjoyed has coincided not coincidentally, yep. with a massive lowering of barriers, trade tariffs, import taxes, yep. the floating of the exchange rate, all that stuff that's made a massive difference to our lives has happened because of a liberalization of global trade. Uh, I've, know, I've the, even the heard the, if, the argument that it, it reduces war, right? So why right, would you right. go to war with a trading partner you trade when, you've, when you've both got a, a financial economic benefit in doing so? You got it. And, that, and this is the issue. So yeah. is there, you know, the, the Trump story, I'm sure people are getting sick of it. We're getting sick of talking about it. The problem is it matters yeah. and it really can have potential consequences. So it's something we need to talk about. Don't, don't buy into the populist BS there because this, it's a very bad BS idea at the, the root of it. I, I don't know. It's, okay. just, it's not, not good apparently. Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Let's talk about um, <laughs> other things on? that are a little bit you know, hard to wrap your head around at Speaking first. of trade. Speaking of trade. Yes. So um, looking through the paper the other day, BHP, world's biggest miner. Yes. Um, BHP Billiton. Give it BHP a Billiton. I stand corrected. Um, they're over in WA and they've got record iron ore production. Yes. They are digging more of this stuff out of the ground than they have at any other point. As is Rio, as is Fortescue. They're all doing really, really going well. Nuts. We are just getting, you know, talk about what our trade, right? We are, we're digging up a <laughs> bunch of this stuff and we're sending it overseas, mostly we to really China. Yeah. And we've never done it. We've never done more of it. Yep. And yet, at the same time... Things must be booming. Well, Comsec came out. We, we, we know this is no secret. Comsec's perhaps the most least recent report. They've come out. They've said economic growth down 5.6% for the year. Construction oh. work down 41%. This is in WA. This is in WA. Right. Home starts were down 22%. Housing finance down almost 9%. I mean, things are really dire over there. Square Thanks this... Thanks for being the voice of optimism, dude. <laughs> You know, hey, just telling it like <laughs> it is. Stick, I'm not, I'm not happy about it, but it, it, the facts are the facts. All right. But square this circle for me. Okay. How is it that, that these, these mine and you know, mining is obviously the, the big part of the economy over there. How is it that they're digging up so much stuff more than ever before? And yet things are going so badly. It's a really good, you know, this is <laughs> without wanting to go too far back into Trump. This is the, this is the problem that Donald Trump doesn't get. And this is the problem that most thoughtful people need to understand is the second order impacts of stuff like this. Yeah. You can't simply say production is up, therefore the economy is booming, therefore things are fantastic. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. If you don't just think a bit beyond that number and really think about what is happening to the economy, this is where it's important. So yeah. it's a great question you ask, Andrew. And I know you know the answer, but you're being kind of letting me have a go at <laughs> answering it first. Go for it. Um, then you can steal my answers because you knew all along. <laughs> the uh, the, the story. My, the, my style. <laughs> so the story about the mining sector was one of boom, then bust. Yep. And realistically, that bust is, fact, is still going for the Perth economy or for the broader yeah, WA economy. It really is. And what's happened is when you're in expansion phase, back in the day, back in 2006, 7, 8, 9, mm. The miners were going gangbusters. Mm. China was demanding ever-increasing amounts of iron ore, yep. and the miners couldn't physically do it. Yep. So they employed a truckload of people, like just people from everywhere up into the mines in WA mm. to basically try somehow to meet the needs of Chinese consumers and Chinese industrial production. So yep. they, they, they got people out, you know, the, the story of the bloke who worked at Macca's going and working on a six-figure salary driving a truck in the mines, yep. probably apocryphal, but not miles off reality. No. That mm. had to happen because they mm. simply couldn't have enough. There were people building mines. There were services being rendered. There was a whole lot of support staff going on to make all this happen to get it up and running. Yeah. As 
people would likely know whenever there's a new project announced by a government, they say there's going to be 400 jobs created during the during the construction phase, yeah. and then 22 full-time jobs after that. Yes, and that's exactly the problem WA is having right now. Yeah. There was a massive jobs boom while everything took off and went to the moon. Property prices shot up, employment shot up, wages shot up. This was yeah. just an economy just couldn't help itself but but go back. Remember back in the days, the two-speed economy was yeah. Queensland and WA flying, the rest of us struggling. Yes. Now it's a two-speed economy, but exactly the other the opposite Reversed, gears. Flipped. Right. So. Yeah. WA right now are struggling because they're now in they're now in effectively not so much maintenance phase, but it, you need many, many, many fewer people to mine the mines once they're incredibly set up automated process than yeah. you do when you're actually building them in the first place. Yeah. So now yeah. you've got you've got Rio has robotic trains, you've got trucks that don't need a lot of drive, don't many drivers if drivers at all. Yeah. This is super automated, as you said, Andrew. And yeah. this is the challenge is that all those guys who had jobs c- creating this stuff yeah. are now looking for another another thing to do because they only get a, a small fraction of that many people working in those mines. What that means is while production is high yep. and the company's making profits, yep. it doesn't need as many workers. If that money isn't flowing through to the Perth economy, the broader WA economy, those workers coming back to New South Wales, going back to Queensland, going back to Victoria and property prices fall because there's fewer people living there. Yes, Housing starts fall because no one's building a new house because there's a net exodus of people away from WA. Yep. What propelled that growth has stopped dead and worse, gone into reverse. And the other the other dimension to this, I suppose, is there's a difference between the volume of something you're selling and the price that Indeed. you're selling it for as well. So we all know that the iron ore price has come well off its highs. It's actually had a pretty good run mm-hmm. um, over the last little while, but still well down. And yeah. I don't think there's anyone out there who's calling for ongoing strength. I mean, it's pure supply and demand. We've talked yes. about it before. Yes. yes, there's a lot of ongoing demand out there, but the supply and all that, all that expansionary effort yep. has, has now come online. So you have to sell a whole bunch more just to sort of make what you were what you were doing before. And it explains why BHP share price was thirty eight bucks when the iron ore price was one hundred and forty dollars a ton. Yeah, the iron ore price eventually got down to sort of forty ish bucks. Might be a bit higher than that now. I think from memory, um, we don't pay a lot of daily attention to it, as listeners you might know. But um, you know, the share price of BHP is in the twenty dollar range, and frankly, the, the iron ore price come crashing down. Yeah. Important to remember though that the price of the iron ore has fallen. It hurts BHP's profits, but the price doesn't impact. All the volume doesn't impact how many people they actually employ. So right, right. the price could double or half from here. Yeah. But if no new mines were being dug, it wouldn't co- it wouldn't it's require not a move single extra job. Mm. To, if the iron ore price doubles, BHP makes more profit. Yes. But there's no one, no else one extra. Employed. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I guess the other point, final point we should make here: this is something that was always going to happen. I'm not going to pretend that we had any idea of when it was going to happen, yep. the exact degree as to how far things were going to come yep. off. But we see these cycles again and again and again in, in commodity type spaces. There's there's a uh, supply shortage yes. that drives up prices. There is a supply side response that gets matched. Prices come down. It's this. It, it is absolutely one hundred percent foreseeable, yep. at least in the broader brush strokes of it. And it's easy for us to say that in hindsight, but we've been telling our members, for those who are members, and if you're not, feel free to join us. Um, we've been telling members for many, many years to stay away from resource companies, stay away from iron ore companies in particular. Mm. Just stay the hell away. These cycles are. They have, the presence of a cycle is unquestionable. You can have a discussion on timing. Some people think they can pick the timing. You, you'll be able to tell those people are the people who are crying poor because they lost all their money in the mining bus. Right, so yeah. you can't do it. Don't try. We don't recommend any mining companies. That's exactly why, as you yeah, say, Andrew, the hard. good times are always followed by bad times and you'll get caught if you're not careful. Absolutely. Value stocks. Markets. Stock market. Index. Share market. This is Motley Fool Money. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Bellamy's. Jeez, oh, this speaking, is, speaking of sagas. Man, we just keep coming back to Bellamy's. <laughs> it was just the it was the hot stock of 2016. It just rocketed up. They got into all kinds of trouble. We've talked about it to death. Yes. 
Um, so let's do it again. So let's do it again. <laughs> so the latest saga, we, we did more as a segue into something else we thought was interesting. So apparently they're being taken to court. A couple of class actions are being launched here. You know, the, the general the general outline here is that shareholders weren't properly informed. And and so the ambulance chasers have jumped on this and they're going to they're going to sue that we're going to try and sue the company through a class action. Those uh, those litigation lawyers out there listening, Andrew was one who called you ambulance chasers. I think you're performing a wonderful service to society. Thank you very much. <laughs> the views and opinions expressed on this podcast may not represent. Uh, they're all yours. Dude. So all yours. I can't dig myself my really way can't. out of that one. So nice try that. So how does this all work? So yeah. let's say I'm a shareholder in Bellamy's. I feel hardly done by mm-hmm. and and I want to get in on this action. Yeah. How do I have to stump up some cash to be a part of this or, or not? Four words. Firstly, class action. Yes. Secondly, litigation funders. Ah, so there's two two different parts to this. Yeah, there is. Now look, those those of us who think we are living in slightly too litigious a society will be a little bit unhappy with this sort of thing, and I'll um I'll declare an interest a little bit later. The the law allows for people to join together if they've been hurt by the same thing. So rather than Andrew, you and I happen to um jump in the elevator after this podcast we crash to the ground yep. uh, we're horribly badly injured by the fall mm. um, you and i don't have to sue the elevator maker individually we okay. can band together in a, what they call a class so yep. a legal class and we can we can basically band together to run one case against that that piece of negligence if that okay. was the case so a class action can be useful in that sort of circumstance it makes sense to keep our costs low to keep the court's time relatively freed up to say if you've all got the same issue with the same party yeah and and you meet the test, so there is there is a legal test to make sure you're not just you know mm-hmm. being vexatious about it. Mm. You can join, you can form a class, yep. and you can basically run one action against that person and split the proceeds of any any court okay. win amongst yourselves. But it's expensive. Anyone who's ever been to court knows this full well. Right. You know, it's it's generally. It was, I love that um, there was a cartoon that was going around uh, a little while ago, and there was a bull with the husband pulling on the horns and the wife pulling on the tail, they're going through a divorce and there's just, <laughs> there's a lawyer milking the cow uh, sitting in between. That is awesome. So it, it is an expensive process and it is something where the, the lawyers tend to do well of it. But again, that's it, Andrew Page bagging the lawyers. <laughs> Andrew, A-N-D-R. So I've been told, I'm, I've got, I'm agnostic on the whole thing. So <laughs> so I, I, if, if we're going to do this and if, yes. if potentially thousands of shareholders are going to get to do this, yes. they don't actually have to pay anything up front. So. Well, not necessarily. It depends on whether you can get the deal done. Now, in, in okay. this case, there has been a deal done. Mm. So the class I talked about before, if you and I want to get together, mm. we're going to try and take on uh, the, the, the elevator company, yep. right? Now, they're probably particularly wealthy. They've probably got staff lawyers. They've probably got access to a whole lot of you know QCs and senior counsels. Yep. They can probably do a whole lot of stuff and basically try and... Let's be clear. They, they try and do their best to, to stymie the case. Either make it so expensive or so difficult, so complex that we physically can't keep going. So even if we have a class of people get together, they're saying, "Well, you know, could we actually? Could you and I really afford to take on the elevator maker yep. in, in court? We have to pay legal fees, lawyers' fees, uh, many meetings and meetings and QCs on thousand bucks an hour type stuff. Yep. Could we really afford to take these guys to court, even if we think we'd win? Could we stump up the cash? Mm. What's happened is there's a there's a whole new kind of financial entity." created by some uh, people trying to make a, make a buck who are saying, well, hang on, we'll take the risk of funding for you so you don't have to, have to pay anything. So we might go to a litigation funder and mm. say, look, Andrew and I are both horribly injured in this elevator crash. I'm, if it happens after the show, by the way, I've jinxed this entirely. Seriously, I'm taking the stairs. <laughs> but if, if we got horribly injured, you know, they would say, look, we'll, we'll pay for the legal, legal court case to be run. And we'll say, great. Oh, that's very generous of you guys. Thanks very much. And they'll say, well, that's so generous because we're going to take a cut of the winnings. And so litigation funders look for cases where there are large amounts of people involved mm. and frankly, the potential for a very large settlement yep. by the party who's done the wrong thing. And if they think they can get a cut of that, 
They will pay the legal fees. Yep. They'll make a profit on that and we'll get whatever's left. And that's what litigation funding is. Now, the one that springs to mind for me that's listed on the ASX is uh, IMF, IMF Bantham. Try uh, say that three times quickly. It's tough, isn't it? Especially this stage of the morning. Uh, <laughs> IMF is the code. And they've actually done really well. They have. So I guess that the first thing you notice about these guys, it is a capital intensive business, right? You need a pretty big bankroll yeah. to sort of start this whole kind of Because thing. that's exactly what they are. They're effectively, they, they exist purely as a cash box. Yep. To look around for great cases to run, to be able to go to, to a lawyer and say, hey, dude, if you want to run a case for the Bellamy's thing, yep. um, you want to run a case for... So, for example, uh, some of the litigation done for the James Hardy asbestos funding, yes. for example, could have been done with a... It wasn't, I don't think, done as a class action, but could have been done... Oh, sorry, it was a class action. There was no litigation, litigation funding funded, provided. Yep. Uh, the Wyvernhoe Dam issue in Brisbane yes. is, being, is being funded by a litigation funder. Yep. That sort of thing where you see, particularly a large corporate entity yep. who's, who's done something wrong or alleged to have done something wrong, yep. Litigation funders will jump in because they know the potential winnings are in the tens of millions of dollars and that well and truly covers the legal fees. So that that sort of highlights the other skill set that these guys, well, skill set. Firstly, I need a bunch of cash. <laughs> Secondly, they need to be able to sort of read the likelihood of these cases. Because right, right. if you're backing the wrong kind of cases, if you're not winning, I mean, that is a lot of money spent for zero return. Yeah, now without, without wanting to sound too... I'm not trying to too too final uh, too too strong a line between these two, but they're basically gambling in in a in a thoughtful and constructive way. They're not going to win every case. No. So they sit there and say, "Look, if I'm going to spend ten million bucks on this case, what are my odds of winning?" Yes. And they never got hundred percent because it's a legal case. If it was that clear cut, there'd be no be no be no court case. Yep. So they're going to say, "Look, I will I will put some money up because I think I'm going to win that one." Yep. They do what insurance company does. They spread it across a whole number of cases. Yep. If they fund enough cases, they'll lose a portion. Yep. But the portion they win will well and truly cover the losses and return them a profit. So, mm. which is exactly what insurance companies do, right? Yep. They insure your car and my car and Liam's car. numbers game. Yep. And, we, and one of us has a prank, the other two don't. Yep. Our premiums cover his accident and vice versa. Yes. And that's how it works. So, there's, there's that as well. And then the other characteristic, which is interesting, is because legal cases run over different timeframes, often for many, many years, because to your point, some win, some don't. Yep. When you look at the the history, history, the historical performance of these businesses, it tends to have very lumpy earnings. They have incredible years yeah. and they're followed by really average years. And so, you know, not only the lumpy, the, the, there are lumpy earnings, but the share price tends to move all over the, the place totally. as well. Um, nevertheless, if you're confident of their ability to pick more winners than losers, it yep. can be a phenomenally profitable uh, investment. Again, as long as you're prepared to ride that volatility and take that long-term uh, time horizon. It can be, but here's the kicker, right? There are now more and more companies getting into the litigation funding uh, space. And so yeah. what happens like any any market with more competition, yep. prices come down. Yep. So in the past, IMF has been able to make much, much higher margins two or three years ago yep. than it's making currently. It's competing against other funders. Yep. Exactly. So it's going to another, two, you know, two funders going to the same lawyer and saying, we'd like yep. to fund your case. And the lawyer's saying, well, if that's the case, yes. you'll take less of a cut. Thanks very much. Now in the past, IMF could go to anyone and say, we want to fund your case. We'll take this cut. You either run yep. the case or you don't. We're going to fund or we won't. Your choice. Now they're able to play them off against each other. And you only need two or three in the market with enough funding to make this happen. And all of a sudden it changes the dynamics and it changes the financials very, very quickly. So that's the other thing to be careful of. Like all things with investing, don't just extrapolate the past because right now you've got a, 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 just a different, a different circumstance. If you're part of a class action, the good news is there's lots more money around to help fund your class action if you've got a chance of winning. Yep. The bad news is if you want to invest in these, you've got to be a bit more careful about how you do it. And if you have a view, like I might, that maybe there's a bit too much litigation going on in Australia, I'm not sure more litigation funders and more alleged... Not necessarily good for society. Is, uh, well, yeah. you know, you could argue that's the case. Yeah, yeah. 
before I get myself uh, too much more <laughs> into legal strife, I'm I might on, just it. end it's it. No, fun, no, 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 no. I'm more. <laughs> I may be here by myself next week. You really could be. Um, that does wrap it up for today, Scott. Thanks again, as Thank always. You, Remember, you can subscribe to the Triple M Motley Fool podcast through iTunes or your favorite Android podcast app. And as we always ask, if you'd be so kind, please give us a nice fat five star rating. But that's it for this week. Until next time, full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.